0: Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 8 of Revelation chapter 5. And we're currently reading in verse 8, which says, And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of saints. And we were looking at the last part of verse 8 in our last study, the golden vials full of odors, and we saw that the Greek word translated as odors is also translated as incense. And we also saw how God makes the tie-in with the prayers of the saints. In addition, we saw that the golden vial that's referred to here is only mentioned in this kind of a way with the incense and the prayers of the saints in every other place we find the word vial that the golden vials it has to do with the wrath of God the seven vials full of the wrath of God and both of these ideas came together in Revelation 8 where it says in verse 3, And another angel, or messenger, came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand, and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And again, here the censer, which it, it was identified with much incense and in the prayers of the saints in verse 3, is filled with fire of the altar and cast into the earth. It is an expression of the wrath of God. And in the remaining verses of Revelation chapter 8, it describes God's wrath upon the churches and congregations. And then in chapter 9, it transitions to God's wrath upon the world. It is God's judgment program, the end time program of the pouring out of God's wrath. And yet it's related to the incense, which in turn is connected to the prayers of the saints. Now, last time we asked the question, why does God make this kind of connection? And uh, we saw when we went to Revelation 6 that uh, the prayers of the saints has everything to do with vengeance. In Revelation 6, verse 9, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, does thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? It's a cry for Vengeance. And these particular saints that God is describing here, they're in heaven. It's referring only to their souls. And we know the Bible teaches us that at the moment of death, the spirit or the soul of a true believer, a child of God goes to be with the Lord in heaven while their physical body goes into the ground to await the Redemption of the body, the day of resurrection. And so these, these are the souls of God's elect that are in heaven. But God also tells us about those that are on the earth and their prayer to him in the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 18, where we read of a parable beginning in verse one. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Shall he find faith on the earth? And in this very interesting parable in which the Lord is giving us encouragement to always pray, to continually pray and not to faint. And of course, this is needed encouragement in our day as we go through this severe trial of living on the earth and day of judgment. And uh, this parable actually has application, special application to God's people alive at this point in time. And the widow woman is a picture of the elect who is going to a judge. It happens to be an unjust judge, but through her continual coming, she is said to weary him. And so he grants her request. And God is saying here what the unjust judge saith. That is, he's an unjust judge. And if he it is brought to action by the continual coming of this poor widow woman, and he has no concern for her, he has no concern for her request, he has no concern Um, of the rightness uh, of it at all, imagine God's concern for His elect and God's interest in their prayer. And He loves them. He has great concern for everything they're going through. And here they are coming to Him day and night, day and night, beseeching Him and praying to Him. And what is it that they are praying are God's people, the, the children of God, living on the earth at this time, praying to God, O oh Lord, come and smite the wicked, come and destroy the earth, come and, and just bring fire to, uh, to burn all uh, of the wicked. No, no, God's people are not praying that way. Praying that way would go contrary to what the Bible tells us, uh, the the Bible tells us in Leviticus 19 in verse 18. Let me uh, turn back there because this is a very important law of God in Leviticus 19:18. Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am Jehovah. Thou shalt not avenge. Well, if the law of God says, Thou shalt not avenge, and the people of God alive upon the earth are commanded to love their neighbor and not to, to seek their evil, to seek destruction, not to, to seek their hurt or harm in any way, then how can God liken the prayer of the elect to this vengeance and shall not God avenge his own elect if the statement is made that God is seeking to avenge his elect well doesn't that mean the the elector crying out to him for vengeance and the answer is no God's people the true believers are crying out uh, uh, yes, they're crying out this way, Oh Lord, how long, how long before you fulfill your word? How long, Oh Father, before you bring all of your wonderful promises to fruition? How long before the glorious expectation of a new heaven and new earth is finally Answered and, and finally becomes a reality as this present earth necessarily and this present universe necessarily must be destroyed for you to bring all these things to bear. Oh father, we, we wish no ill. We wish no harm come to any others. We, we don't want you to destroy the unsaved because That means that you would be destroying some of our own family members and some of our neighbors, and we desire the very best for them. No, we're not praying that God come and take vengeance and destroy them. But what prayer has God impressed upon us to pray for our fellow man at this time? Well, he has taught us we may pray, "...having had mercy, have mercy." And so we pray that way for all those outside of the churches and congregations and for those that found themselves within the church where there was no possibility of salvation. And, and then in the day of transition to judgment upon the world, we realize this. And yet God still permits us to pray that the cup of his wrath might pass from them. And so we desire the very best possible thing that God permits us to desire for these poor people. And and we pray for our neighbor that we know was in the church and while God was saving outside of the church. And now is in a position where God is saving no one anywhere. And, and yet we desire their good. And we pray, O oh, Father, if it be thy will, may your cup pass from our neighbor, and may you uh, pass the cup from him, just as Christ prayed this prayer while he was drinking of the cup of the wrath of God while in the Garden of Gethsemane. We uh, we pray that prayer. We're continuing to pray the very best for the people around us. And yet as we, we also, we cannot deny, we have the desire that God's kingdom come, that the Lord Jesus Christ come and come quickly. And as we have this desire and we pray, O oh Father, fulfill thy word and bring to completion all things in thy word. Well, yes, it would mean that God come And take vengeance and he actually has done this. He has begun to take vengeance upon the unsaved inhabitants of the earth as he has brought about the day of judgment and it's only a matter of completing this judgment period and, and then finally destroying all of the people that he never saved and destroying this corrupt creation, and then recreating a new heaven and new earth. Well, you see how the prayers of God's people in heaven, as they cry out also, O Lord, holy and true, how long? And what are they crying for? The completion of God's salvation plan. They're still beseeching the Lord that he would bring about the day of redemption of their physical body, the resurrection. So God's people on earth are beseeching the Lord to fulfill his salvation plan and to bring them into his glorious kingdom. And God's people in heaven are beseeching the Lord to uh complete the salvation that He has begun. He has saved their soul, but their body is still lying in the ground, seeing corruption on the earth. And that body must be redeemed. And they must become one whole personality, perfect in body and soul. And the salvation of God must be completed. So all of God's elect are praying this to God that he finish what he has started and and complete his salvation program for this world, which in turn ultimately means he must complete his judgment program as well. And so the prayers of the saints ascend up before God and the, the golden vial full of incense, which are the prayers of God's elect, are turned into the seven golden vials that are filling up the wrath of God, and they must be poured out as the world experiences Judgment Day. And then finally, at the end of pouring out of those vials, the prayers of the saints will have the, the final answer, God will hear and and he will complete his program, his entire program for this world. Well, let's go back to our book, Revelation 5 and chapter, and we'll move on to verse 9, which says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Now again, in verse 8, when the Lord had taken the book and the four living creatures and four and twenty elders fell down, they are the ones that are singing the song together, and they are the ones together saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals, and together they are the ones declaring for thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And immediately we wonder how can the four living creatures sing this particular song when they are a representation of God himself and his glory. We we understand God praising God. God is worthy of praise, certainly. But how can God sing a new song that that declares that uh, thou wast slain and has redeemed us as if God redeemed God? Well, we have to remember what we find in uh, the gospel account when the Lord is speaking of Separating the sheep and the goats, and he makes the statement that um, I was naked and ye clothed me; I was hungry and ye fed me. When he is commending the uh, individuals that did this, and they ask him and say, "Lord, when was thou naked, or when did we see thee hungry and and do these things to thee?" and then Christ answers that. Uh, well, let me, let me find it. It's in Matthew chapter 25. Just to make sure I, I say it right. In Matthew 25, after they say this, in verse 37, then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungry, a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Now all of those statements identify with bringing the gospel, the word of God that redeems the sinner, that saves the sinner from his sins, that brings salvation to the sinner. And and so when... The Lord, who um, is Christ, picturing Christ, when the king says that when you did it to them, you did it to me, that that means that it is as though Christ himself was redeemed by the actions of these true believers. But the true believers were uh, carrying out the command of Christ. They were going forth at the beckoning of Christ, they were performing these good works by the will of Christ as he moved to will and do of his good pleasure within them that they might perform the doing of it. And, and so really we have God who is redeeming God. And, and that's what we see here in Revelation five. As the four living creatures and four and twenty elders, which typify all the elect, they sung a new song. And and they said all these things, for thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood. So there is no real difficulty once we understand that what is done to the people of God, God likens done to him. Well, now let's look at this phrase, they sung a new song. And we find from time to time references in the Bible to a new song. In Psalm 40, it says in verse 1, I waited patiently for Jehovah, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and establish my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth; even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in Jehovah. Now this does have some application to Christ Himself in a messianic way, but it also pictures the believers who, likewise, were under the wrath of God. And therefore, spiritually in the condition of, uh, being in a horrible pit, we could say. And when God saved us, well, He, He sets our feet upon a rock, upon the Lord Jesus. And He puts a new song in our mouth, praise the God. And many see this, they, uh, they see this transformation. Of the sinner, and they also fear, and come to trust the Lord. This is how God has worked in the world. He saves one individual, as the Lord Jesus said to Nathaniel, that you will see angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, and that is a, a mysterious sort of statement, but it it actually is pretty simple in its meaning. It just means when God saves a sinner, they are spiritually transported into the heavenlies to be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then immediately they were transported back to earth, commissioned with the great commission to go forth with the gospel that others might likewise experience the same transformation. And so many see it and fear and trust in Jehovah because God commissions his people once saved to be messengers of the gospel. Now that that whole process was in action during the day of salvation, but we've come to the end of that program of God. It's no longer the day of salvation. So individuals who were saved uh, finally... At the end of God's salvation plan for this world, just before he shut the door to heaven, it is as though they ascended into the heavenly spiritually, but they were never commissioned. They never descended upon the Son of Man. And when we get to Revelation 11, we'll see that's the case. That's why it speaks of those that ascended but but it never refers to their descending back again. Well, let's also look at Psalm 96 regarding the new song in the first two verses. Oh, sing unto Jehovah a new song. Sing unto Jehovah all the earth. Sing unto Jehovah, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. And... In Psalm 98, verses 1 and 2, O sing unto Jehovah a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. Jehovah has made known his salvation, his righteousness, as he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. In both of these places, singing the new song is quickly identified with salvation. Now, the person who experiences the salvation of God, sings the new song. And we find this um, same wording in Revelation chapter 14 in verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. Now here we, we find... Many of the same ingredients in Revelation chapter 5 as these 144,000 are singing a new song before the throne where God is seated before the four living creatures and the elders. And the 144,000 here, verse 4, go on to tell us are the first fruits unto God. They represent all of Those that were saved throughout the New Testament church age from the period of 33 A.D. through 1988 A.D., 1955 years. These are pictured by the 144,000 and they all sing the new song. That is, they were saved and now the thing that they sing about is their salvation God likens it to singing a new song. In Revelation 15, we find something similar with those that had gotten the victory over the beast. And this group would identify with the great multitude because the beast is the name of Satan that God gave him uh, exclusively for the great tribulation period. And it says in verse 2 of Revelation 15, I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Now, Revelation 5 tells us, The song of the Lamb is the new song that identifies with salvation. Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. The interesting thing about this reference in uh, Revelation chapter 15 verse 3 is that those that have gotten the victory over the beast, the great multitude, in other words, us, God's people, that are um, saved during that period of time are still living on the earth at this point. They not only sing the song of the lamb, but they also sing the song of Moses and uh, Lord willing, when we get to that chapter, we'll be able to spend more time looking at that. Uh, what is the song of Moses? But uh, unfortunately we've come to the end of our time today and we'll have to Continue our Bible study in the book of Revelation when we get together the next time.